Hello everyone, welcome back to the Moonlighters Club. My name is Joel Edwards, I'm one of your hosts, along with Sean Bedgood, the lovable comedian. Sean, what's going on? Not much, man. Just, you know, out here grinding, doing shows and stuff. And um, just out here auditioning and doing doing stuff like that. You know something? I um I had some I had a role on the plate, right? It was print ad, but yeah. it's, I had to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like so like so like I called I called my agent and I was like, so how gay do I have to how gay do you want me to be? You know That's what the saying? first thing I was gonna ask you is how gay do they want you to be? Yeah, that's why I was like, do, do I have to is it does it get physical? <clears throat> or he, he well, you know, it could be like maybe hugging or interlocking arms and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's starting already. Cause I think about this shit. You know what I mean? Like I wanna do movies and stuff. And like I'll like pose these <laughs> hypothetical situations like, damn, how much money would it take? me to fucking kiss somebody in the mouth or something like that and risk you know what I'm saying I love how it's always for becoming rich and famous it's doing something gay is always a thing it's never murdering somebody or like no it's always like if that was the truth that every gay person would be rich like right. <laughs> it's right. always, I love how all guys think that's how it is when you get to the top that some dude is just gonna ask you to do something homosexual like I don't know yeah I just think it may be a little antiquated at this point um, as you guys may know Every uh, every Moonlighter episode, we interview an entrepreneur who works a full time job, either because they have to, because they want to, because they're broke like me and they need to pay bills. Whatever the case, we want to highlight the person living that double life, and we're gonna keep that trend going. We have a guest today. Uh, hello, guests. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Not just one, but two entrepreneurs. So, uh, what what are your names? Uh, my name's Andres Geraldo. Oh, I'm John Hong. Nice to meet you, Andres. Nice to meet you, John. How do you pronounce your last name? Hong. Hong. Okay. Hong Kong. Like Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> like the place. Hong Kong. All right. Well, I, <laughs> thank you guys for coming. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start it off to make sure we, we get to talk about both your experiences and then we can just open this up. Uh, John, let's start with you. Uh, what, do you what do you do for a living? Uh, currently, right now, I, um, I, I just quit my two jobs. So... Um, I was doing, uh, I, I was operations manager at a salon, and then I was a, I was a runner, so what that is, is I'm a backdoor waiter for a restaurant, and, um, and then I, I'm a catering crew member for another restaurant. Right, what was, so you're working at two restaurants? Yes, I work, I worked at two restaurants, now I only work at one. Okay, yeah. one full-time at one restaurant. Yeah. How, how much did you sleep? Uh, I didn't really sleep. Really? Um, I was working like 60 plus hours a week um, and I did that for about seven weeks straight and um, after like the third week I was feeling like shit. I was just like I don't think I could do this anymore and I was like okay but you know I'm making the money you know like I'm getting the cash in my hands um, 150 a night um, but then when I looked at it I, I was like okay this 150 and my back aches and my business is not getting the attention um, the reason I decided to quit was because I didn't have enough time to meet with customers that were calling me, um, customers and vendors. And so I was just like, all right, well, I'm not following up and I might lose them. So uh, I said, fuck it, the, the 150 a night is not, it's not worth it, you know, if I can't grow my own dreams. Hey, know? don't curse. Yeah. Oh, really? No. Just, oh, <laughs> shit. You're a person. I was like... <laughs> so, what did you, you go to school for? I went to school for um, IT and entrepreneurship. When you graduated, was it really hard finding a job? Uh, it was kind of hard uh, because people didn't, you know, like, you know, like the, all, all the buzzwords, like, yes, yes, we're looking for entrepreneur, entrepreneurial people. Uh, companies aren't really looking for people like that. They're not looking for um, someone to be an executive, you know, from the straight from the get go. Um, so like, I wasn't really good at lying. I wasn't really good at like, you know, in front of you, in front of me, I like telling you everything that you wanted to hear. I was just like, no, 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 no. This is what I think, and blah blah blah. And I, I normally would get the second round interview, but then like at the end of it, I'm like. I can't do this. And then eventually, like, I just, I just ended up, I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to stick it out and uh, just make some quick money right now. 
Are you a shitty employee? Like, are you? I'm a shitty employee. That's why I'm starting my own business. Like, I, I'll be excited for like a week just because I'm like mostly the money. But every time I get to a new job, as soon as I hear one dumbass thing, I'm like, fuck everyone here. Like, I don't care about any of the shit, and I don't ever drink the Kool Aid no matter where I work at. Like, I was well, like, I played sports growing up. I was never that dude like we gotta win this game, y'all. Like, I was back, like this is the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> never. So, do you think? Have you ever been a great employee? Like, were you ever a model employee status? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I'm a. I think I'm a great employee. I just. What I don't like is working for a company that doesn't have great employees. Um, just literally, like you know, if someone you know someone is really negative or like they're not pulling their weight and like I'm like uh, we're getting paid the same but I'm pulling your weight and I'm pulling these three other people I'm like I'm not fucking gonna do that you know and I don't like working for bad managers Man- managers right if they don't see that I'm busting my ass and I don't get a raise then I'm gonna leave right yeah so um nah man I'm, I only become a shitty employee if there's other shitty employees but I'm not gonna stay there very long cause that's why I left the restaurant because yeah. um, it was just no one did their job. Like literally, the cleaning guy only had one job, which is clean the floor. But it's all greasy, and I'm falling. Right? Like right. I don't have health insurance. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I yeah, gotta yeah, think about yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if I get hurt, who's gonna run this shit? You know what I mean? So yeah. Can you take directions well? Um. Yeah, yeah, but I don't listen. I, I just like I don't listen very well. Like you, ha- you have to tell it to me like three, four, or five other times, and I'm like, okay, okay, shit, shit, shit. Okay, I'm clearly not. I'm clearly not here right now, um, and I'm not paying attention. Um, yeah, so no, no, I don't take directions. Sean, well. do you take directions well? <clears throat> um, someone who asks for directors. Yeah, I can. Really? Yeah, if it's something that I'm into. Uh, if it's in, if I'm not into it, then I can't. I like, agree with that. Like it's it's um <clears throat> like when I'm in auditions and shit, like shit like that. I love right. doing that, you know, um because it's something that I'm interested in and I want to grow. I want to you know evolve and shit. But with anything else, nah, I'm not I'm not listening. As someone who does, let me ask you, as someone who does comedy or act, right? The goal is to continue to get roles. Does it ever become a job? Like we've taken jobs. I've taken jobs for paychecks before, right? Have you ever done that with a role where you're like, let's just get this shit over with? Or are they all good because you're getting roles? Um, nah, there's been times. See, I've, I've done a lot of background work, um, extra work. And the way I, the way I explain that, describe it to people is um, an extra is, is a piece of furniture. Like literally, like you're that cup or fucking whatever so they treat you like shit so there's been there was one time I was on set um doing something and they wouldn't give us any food cause it cause it <laughs> like the crew the, the crew the crew gets good food like they get that Trader Joe shit right organic you know, yeah okay. organic whole food table and then they we get pretzels so you get the gluten <laughs> right and it's just like yo I'm, I'm hungry as fuck I've been back here in this this holding area for like Three hours now. Can I eat something? It's just oh. So that was a time where I was like, I just want to get the fuck out of here. Just give me my check. <laughs> so let, 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 let's just let this be over. And mail me my fucking check. <laughs> <laughs> People suck. Yeah, that makes stuff hard. Uh, well, John, when you were working everything, when you were doing before you quit, when you had the multiple jobs, describe a typical day. Uh, okay, so Monday I had to work from at the salon from 10 to 8 um, and there I just like I just wanted to shoot myself uh, because I'm just sitting there and I'm just waiting for customers so usually I was just working on my business um, so then on Tuesday through Friday I was uh, working at working at the restaurant the catering department um, I had to be up at like 5 o'clock because I had no car like, like a dumbass I don't have a car and I had to travel about an hour, right, to get to work. It's like, in, it's like 10 minutes away by car. Um, and then I had to work from like 6.30 to like 12.30 to 1. Um, and then after that, I, I was free, but I was tired of shit. So I'd work on my business. Um, I'd contact clients. I would talk to people, make calls. Um, and then like Thursday to Friday, 
I had like no time. That was like my 12 to 13 hour day. Like those are awful. Like when people say like they can work like 18 hour days, I'm like, okay, your ass is sitting down working. I'm, I'm going from one end to, to another. I'm actually putting effort and sweat, right? You're actually just typing on a keyboard. I'm like, I'm like, how can you work 18 hours and not feel like shit, you know? Physical labor is different. Physical yeah. labor. It's hard, man. Literally, like, I'm on my feet all day and I'm like, how do people do that? And I tried to push myself up to like 15 hours and that was a mistake. I think I got myself sick. Um, just after that, like, I would skip dinners. I think that's how I lost like 10 pounds over the course of seven seven weeks. You just weren't healthy. You just I, weren't healthy. I just, I just wasn't eating. I was skipping meals. I was just like, I was, I'm just too tired to eat. Um, yeah, and then and then like Sunday, I, I would barely like that was my day off, but that was me working on my business. It was just like me doing laundry, and then I would do some emails, and then I would like you know clean up, vacuum, um, and that was not even like a day off. So literally, um, that was my week. Like I would just work. Jeez. It wasn't it wasn't really sustainable. Was how long did you put? How long did that go? Seven weeks. Seven Jeez. weeks, and then I got sick. So. Yeah, don't work yourself until you're sick. Let's let's describe that. What what is your what's your moonlighting venture? What's your entrepreneurial? Um, so idea? my my venture is the Savory Cater. Um, it is a, a specialty catering service uh, that brings food adventures to the curious office. Um, offices are so sick and tired of sandwiches. That's why they're so sick and tired of pizzas. But to the office administrator, they're like, "This is easy. I know what pizza is. I know what sandwiches are. I don't know what." I don't know what a halal food is, right? Yeah. Um, which is extremely delicious, right? If you pick the right vendor, um, but they have this pain. They, the office administrators, office managers have this pain because their office is pissed at them for making the same orders over and over again. So that's where I come in. I provide the service of, I make recommendations like, look, I am a foodie. I've tried this food personally um, and order from me. If you don't like what you get, I fully refund you. That's like, like as, a, as I'm starting out, I'm like, okay, I, I don't have that money, but I make sure that the vendor is that good. You know what I mean? Um, so I've been working with a, a vendor, Chicken and Rice Guys. Um, I've done a few orders for them. And every time uh, I go into an office, I either get a standing ovation or people tell me that you're a hot commodity here. Thank God that, that you're here because my, my coworkers were just like, they're gonna eat the desk. People literally get up and stand up and just, clap. You walk in. Yeah, they, they, you they are clap. Right. Oh, come on. Yeah, they, they, you're like rock star status. Like, oh shit! So, yeah. so hand job or something. I mean, like you know, what's so awesome is that. Um, so that's so for any vendor I pick, I, I I do the chicken and rice guys test. You know, like are they just as good, or if not better, right? Um, so if you're not if you're not meeting that um, expectation or that benchmark, I'm not putting you on my website. You know, as someone who's had chicken and rice guys, I don't really like chicken and rice guys, man. I just feel like it's the brand and it's like, if you're a hipster, you're supposed to eat that. Every startup I've been around, I'm like, yo, chicken and rice guys. It tastes like some regular ass chicken and some regular ass lamb and regular ass sauce on the side. I don't know, man, maybe it's just- What type of food is it? It's um, it's halal Mediterranean food. Oh, I like halal, oh, it's halal, I love halal. But where's chicken and rice guys? There's one I right by Chauncey Street, right by Macy's downtown. Perfect if you go Street. like yeah, there's yeah. it's 85. right there. The best, right the, best the, the best halal down there is um Boston that shawarma spot. Boston shawarma. That one's good. Because halal falafel king is weak. Um Are you talking about the one by Suffolk? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that one's good. Yeah. Boston Shawarma. Yeah. That's their lamb's official. And then um uh what's the one on um on Tremont right there? Black seed, black oh, seed. Black seed's good. They got, they got, they got, they're, they're, um, they're decent. But like, I'm, I used to stay in New York, so mm. I used to go to them halal stands all the time. So I appreciate a good. Chicken and rice guys actually copied halal guys. Really? Yeah, and then they brought it to the uh, Boston area. Chicken and rice guys, I do respect the, the business acumen. It's just like, all right, the food may not be the best, but we have this assembly line set up where you come in, the price is pretty cheap. It's like five, seven bucks for plate. And then they get you in and they get you right out. It's so simple. Rice, blank, 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 rice, meat, whatever. Yeah. And you're in and you're out. So well, they're, they're efficient. They're really efficient. I mean, they're smart because they, they target um, working professionals. And their busiest time is from like 12 to 2. 
You know what I mean? If you're not efficient then and you're having your customers wait for half an hour, yeah. they're trying to cut that. You know what I mean? That's how I ended up learning more about um, my customer or my obstacle to my customer. It's just like I had to talk to friends that were in those positions because I, I never really worked in an office setting. You know, I had internships, but never really understand office life. You know what right. I mean? Cause um, it's overrated. Sucks. It's overrated. It, it sucks. sucks. It's it sucks. Overrated. But you gotta understand, these people live in there. You know what I mean? They live in there eight hours a day. You're there more than you're at home. Yeah, exactly. Like how I learned that my job is to make their job easier and actually do the job for them in regards to catering. You know what I mean? Um, like there's catering software out there, but they're not that great because um, literally uh, there's no personal touch. And it's just like, okay, you pick this, you know, like, usually people pick vendors because it's recommended and people don't want to think. People just want you to pick the decision for them and they want it to be a good decision. And then office administrators want to take the credit for it. Like, yeah, see, I came up with a great vendor. You guys are all happy. Now shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Right. So, um, that was a big, I, I did not have eyes and ears in the office. I didn't know how to see that and when I did see that I was like okay shit alright so how do I do more of that you know what I mean so so it sounds like you gotta get grasp on the audience did I just talk about that? no no that's the thing that's the thing when you're at work you're you're a bitch like I just like when I'm at no. work no one gives a shit what they they say they do no one gives a shit what I have to say ever and I notice whenever I go to work events like outside the office or I talk to people I see every day they never shut up because they don't get tough. Like their opinions are never validated, and you just sit there. When you get to go off into your own thing, whatever that thing may be, it's the first time of the day your opinion actually matters, and you actually get to talk about the shit that you really want to talk about. And not just that, but how you want to talk about it. Like I can't make specific jokes until five p.m. You know what I mean? Like I can't. There's like things I can't talk about that I really want to talk about. Yeah. All day that I gotta wait. Like I text my boys, like man, wait till I get off work. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that shit to leak, you know. But no, I, I, you could see it. Like I could definitely see the difference when we were talking about working at the bar. You're just like, that's just shit. That's some shit I do. Yeah. yeah. And then when we're talking about something you care about, I gotta live. You talk. You know. But Andres, where are you from? What do you do? Just start with where you're from. Our relationships that I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me smooth over just in case. I want to make sure I get you, John, come closer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, take you back to like the year two thousand. I grew up in Chelsea. Okay. And for any of you who know Chelsea pretty well, really nice at the time. <laughs> nice place. <laughs> <laughs> it, was not, it wasn't that nice at the time. No. This is Chelsea, Mass. Not not Chelsea, England. Which I'm assuming it's nice. This is yeah. shitty Chelsea, Mass. You know, in simple terms, it was a uh, really ghetto. Like really, really ghetto, and I'll tell you how ghetto it was. Um, there was always like either a drug dealer in the corner or a gang member. I remember I used to live like in a block. I would go like in a square, and I remember one time I was like six or seven. And I got a bike. I was so proud of that bike. I would drive that thing around. <laughs> then one time I went to a corner. I was by myself because I didn't bring my brother with me. He was older, and this guy was like, "Yo, let me borrow your bike real quick." To <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's word. classic. That's Yeah. to his family and the administration caught him and fired him 
And my dad was like, I'm just trying to feed my family. You're going to throw this perfectly good like food away. And they're like, you can't do that. So, so my dad was like, you know what, fine, screw you. So then after that, my dad opened up a convenience store um, along with my mom. And after that, another convenience store. And then they opened up a restaurant and bar, which has been now actually there for 20 years. It's called El Kiosco with my mom. Um, totally recommended. Totally recommended. Great <clears throat> food. It's in East Boston, right off like Warren Heights. Um, okay. Literally go on Yelp. You'll see like the food's good, beer's good, women, most beautiful women in the world are right yeah. there. Because they're, they're all from like Colombia, Venezuela, whatever. Like they're here to like, go to school, whatever, but they go to Kiosk because it's so well known. So my entire um, working career, I guess, has been in the back end of those things, right? My right. dad and my mom were smart. They were like, you're not going to be in the front lines with us. No, no, you're going to be in the back. You're going to be the bar back, bringing up the ice and the liquor. You're going to be the person who's dishwashing. You're going to be doing deliveries. Until this day right now, I'm still doing that, you know? And I think that's really humbled me a lot is that, you know, you, you know, you ask, you know, what do I do on a daily basis for work? Well, I'm a full-time student still at Suffolk, right? And I'm taking summer classes so I can graduate quicker by December. And my job, um, you know, when I got out of school is either I'm doing deliveries for the restaurant that we have, or I'm buying liquor for both both our um, businesses, or I'm the bar back, I'm cleaning up the piss and the shit and the vomit. I'm doing everything, like, the non-glamorous stuff. And, like, my brother and my sister, who are running the place, are, you know, having a great time. And I don't complain because, like, I know they worked really hard to get there. Um, so I'm sorry, but having parents who struggle is the worst shit ever. Like yeah. you can't complain about no, no kind no. of shit, man. I'm gonna do that. Shit. You gotta do all. It's like why there's technology. Like no, that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why do you make me do these yeah. things? It's, it's like I'm just like maybe you should do something. And they're old school. That's the thing. Like they're old school too. Like you know, since I'm like first generation here, I try to tell them like my uh, my family like, hey, listen, you should get online, create a social media presence. Can do stuff right yeah nah man it's all word of mouth don't you worry about it <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like okay maybe that would have worked like 30 years ago but now it's like the person who just opened on the street is like taking your lunch money you know so um and i, I think it's so interesting how i feel like like especially hispanic stories from south america and like Black stories are all the same. Like when black people blow up and make it, he was like, yo, my mom was by herself. I used to have to suck crack for like two years. <laughs> and then every time this family story, it's like their dad moved from like, insert Central American country right here. Yeah. He didn't have no shoes. <laughs> he was washing right. dishes. And now he's the man. Like it's always yeah. perfect. Like it's all. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's literally true. Like, so like my dad came here first and um, he was here by himself for like five years and my mom came from South America and she actually brought my brother and my sister when my sister was three and my brother was one year old and she brought them through like the Mexican desert, like through the border, coyotes type of stuff and like by herself, she sold everything and like at that point, you know, that's risk taker. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So like at this point, it's like it's in my DNA that like, you know, I have to take risks because everyone else took risks before me. And my goal is to elevate um, the Hispanic entrepreneur. You know, you never hear about the Hispanic entrepreneur. Have you ever heard of a Hispanic entrepreneur? No, you never do. No, you never do. Right? You always hear about Joe Schmo and his unicorn company. Um, so I guess my goal is that like, I want to be that difference. I want to be like, you know, that little, like, you know, you can make it. Yeah, like I can make it. If I can make it, anybody can make it, right? And I want to make my parents proud. I want to make everybody proud. And, you know, it's just a grind. And, and yeah, that's, that's my life story so far. So what, what's, your, what's your venture? I, I know a little bit about it, but I think it's one of the coolest ideas I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, what is your, what's yeah. your business? So yeah, so my business is called uh, Food Truck Stars. Essentially what it is, it's an all-in-one tech business company for the mobile food entrepreneur um, the title says food truck stars but in reality you know there's push like you know, those cars the hot dog stands there's the ice cream trucks like the industry is is booming right now so what i do is i give these owners the ability to manage and grow their profile online that means their menu that means create promotions create their schedule create um anything that they want through our dashboard that they you know their personal dashboard 
And at the same time, we also provide their clients the opportunity to locate them um, in the future, order ahead from them, order catering from them. And we're all, and, and the whole thing that we're doing is like, the whole purpose is that I wanna create a network for these mobile food vendors, right? Because you're probably thinking, okay, like what's the difference between you and Yelp, right? Well, if you go on Yelp and you search for chicken and rice guys, or like John mentioned, you're gonna get their, you know, their, their stationary locations, like the one that they had that they're just opening up. Mm -hmm. But food trucks are mobile, they move around. So um, my goal is that I wanna give them a voice. I want to ultimately, you know, get the attention of like a Yelp, get the attention of a Google, a Square, and say, you know what, they did something right, and I want to include all of these vendors that are missing out into our platform. So, you know, like my angle is to potentially get acquired. Um, but that being said, you have to really work hard and grind for it. And, you know, we're constantly updating the site. We just launched a new site. You can check it out at, at foodtruckstars.com. And, you know, what we're getting a lot from the vendors is that location services are good, schedules are good, promotions are good. The data analytics that you provide us is great. We've never had data in our lives. But you know what else can you provide us, and that's revenue, right? Like, how can we get the revenue? Mm -hmm. And um, after much, you know, conversations with my CTO Patrick, it's it's you know I think thirty five to forty percent of the food trucks revenue comes from catering. So we're gonna start offering catering services, online ordering services. Um, my main goal, like I said, is the network. Like, you know, Joel, like think about it. If you're opening up the Joel truck, right? Where are you going to buy the truck from? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Okay, do you know how you're going to fabricate it and, and design it? No. Okay, how about the supplier? Do you know where to get those from? No. Yeah, and that's like almost 85% of the vendors out there. They don't know how the hell to start, where to start, who's the best vendor, who's actually you know qualified to do this. So the whole network that I'm trying to create is allow these people to be connected with the best people. You know, A players dealing with A players. So I will connect you if you're a food truck vendor and your truck breaks down to the best mechanic in Massachusetts because you're an FTS member. So that's the goal. It's like AAA for food trucks. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm seeing similarities in what you guys are doing. It's kind of like, um, you're kind of like consulting, correct? Like a, and in a sense, um, I could be wrong about this, but you're you're what, what essentially what you're doing is, yeah, it's a little different. So you're you're trying to create a network. Yeah. Okay. And, and reason, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. And the reason I want to create a network is that, you know, everybody can create anybody can create like for example the next Airbnb, the next Uber. You see like a bunch of Uber competitors, right? But yeah. Why is Uber so successful? Why is like kayak so successful? Why are Air, why is Airbnb successful? Well, one, they're they have the first Uber advantage, that's for sure. But two is that they created that they created that network where, you know, for example, Uber, they got the drivers, they got the riders, but also I don't know if you know, is that if you're a driver, which I also do part time, like drive for Uber, they also provide you a network of these are the best auto uh, you know auto shops to fix your car or. You get a discount at these stores and all right. that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or for kayak, it's like before that, what did you have to do? You had to go to four different websites to find the best prices, and then they created a network of this is it, and that's what I want to do. So gotcha. It's a it, great idea, man. And it Thanks. sounds like you're bringing infrastructure, and that's the same thing I'm trying to do with my business, the same thing John's trying to do with his. There are so many. It's it's funny. We're in 2016, and just like you said, with your parents and your water mouth, there's so many industries that fear tech, like that have no infrastructure. I mean. Let's look at the way we get our haircuts. Like you just go to the shop, you call the shop. It's not really that there's so and there's so many examples like that where it's like, yeah, why am I still using paper? You know, when I deal with the city, it's I'm still writing checks like <laughs> it's it seems like a much needed plus because there's not like we think there's a ton of infrastructure, there's not, man. Yelp's like the only thing you got. And it's not really that robust. Well, they're acquiring all the companies that are providing the network. So like they acquired e24.com, which is like the online like ordering system. Mm -hmm. right? Why didn't Yelp build it up themselves? Well, one, because probably they're lazy. They don't want to spend the money in the R&D to do it. And they're like, oh, well, clearly they did something right. They provided a network, something of value to the customers. Let me just buy them. And I'm hoping they're just in that, you know, spending spree until I get to that level. With them. Right. FTI, you did a great job. Here you go. Here's whatever amount of money. And that's my goal, honestly. I think that's the, what they don't teach. Like when I first started my business, everyone just, and I think it's the same way for 
every industry, even comedy, right? Everyone's looking for that huge payout at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to be the top dude, the Zuckerberg or the Kevin Hart. There's so much money to be made if you just know how to do it. Like, if you, you can get acquired, you know, you can merge, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can write and make and be a millionaire, you know? And it's just like the only things that get talked about or the super huge victory at the end, which is so few and far in between. You just gotta really know what, what the strategy is. Yeah, and it's like everybody's reaching for, you know, like the unicorns, like the, the, the Ubers of like the $40 billion valuations and and to be like the 1%, you know, like I wanna be the 1% of America, I wanna be the multi-millionaires, but what you don't realize is that to be a one percenter here in the United States, you just have to make $400,000 salary. And you're already considered a one percenter. Yeah. And it's like, I'm okay with four hundred k. Give me four hundred k, and I and I'll convert that four hundred k into forty million. You gotta, you know, school doesn't teach you that. You're never gonna be, or you're not never. You might not be the next Zuckerberg, but you could very well be the next multimillionaire if you just follow these steps. Oh yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> it's none of them. That sounds kind of crazy to say. It's like, um, I don't. Uh, you know, getting a million dollars isn't the hardest thing in the world. I don't have a million dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't but, but it's like you, I mean, you you buy a house and sit on it 20 years, you, it's, you're going to be a millionaire. Yeah. Like I know, like in terms of net worth, I know a ton of a ton of millionaires. One, you own one house outright, you're a millionaire in, in the right name, especially South Boston now. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or, or even um, um, East Boston. Dude. My East Chelsea, you know, like like all up there, you know, um, it, it's it's not the toughest thing in the world to get a million dollars. And it, it, what I it's funny you say that because I definitely don't have a million dollars, <laughs> but it's true. Making money isn't hard. It's what happens at that point. Yeah. Like I've had points where I've won competitions. Feel free to look me up, Joel Edwards. It's uh, <laughs> so for start right, and then you get a check, and you're like, what the fuck happens now? Like, what do I do now? Like you, I, I understand why there's a broke NBA players. Yeah. If someone gives you a ton of money and you don't have any training, you're gonna spend that money. It's what you do at that point. How do you put this to work? Keeping cash flow going in. There's so many things that don't get taught to people at young ages. You're right. You find it out way too late. Yeah. Make you could do anything to make money, yeah. but it's yeah. like or gain a little bit of status in your industry. But a lot of people don't have plans for what do you do when that hits. No. You know what do you do if that big director goes, "Yo, here's here's your first movie. It comes out. You just made you got." All this box office. Now what? You you gotta you have to plan. Yeah. You gotta plan, dude. It's very very important to have a plan. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, cause I, I think about that type of stuff. Do all three of you have a plan for your all three of you? Let John answer this one. I don't I don't have a plan. All right. Um, John's living dangerously. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a plan. Um, I wanna you know I wanna actually touch on this. I disagree respectfully. Uh, that it is actually kind of hard to make money. It is hard. Um, and, and where I'm coming at from this is that uh, I used to have the mindset of, yes, I could be making a few thousand dollars, but um, it's actually hard to make your first thousand, you know? Uh, especially, especially if you're really lean, you know what I mean? Um, after making my first sale, <clears throat> I wasn't thinking about, yo, I'm about to make 10 Gs just like tomorrow, right? I'm thinking about, okay, my next one, my next one. How do I get my next one, my next one, right? And then, like, eventually when I looked up, I was like, shit, I actually made, I made some money. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just like, you know, I, I'm just coming at it from another angle. Like, before I used to think that way, like, yo, it's easy. And then all of a sudden when I started looking, I'm like, six months down the line, I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm still at zero, right? It, it, it was definitely a mindset thing, you know what I mean? I get what you're saying in the realm of a startup. What I mean is, if I get a job, I can get a job that pays me 45 grand a year, mm. and what do I do when my check comes? Mm. Now there's two mindsets. I can either buy some Jordans, I can get a ton of Popeyes, I can fill every whatever stereotype you think, or I can look into things. Like I know people who bought houses in their twenties. I wasn't doing that. I was getting hammered. Was yeah. You was know what not, I mean? Like, I was, was not thinking that. And I had the same opportunity. I was getting checks. And I've seen people who've come before me get those same checks and just save those same checks for a long period of time and they were able to do things in the future. So when I'm not in the aspect of my startup's not profitable. There are a lot of million billion dollar startups that aren't profitable. Not from that aspect, because that is really hard. I mean an aspect of what to do when you get any kind of money mm -hmm. coming in. 
it's a tough part. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Currently, like, I'm just, like, the reason I, I did the three jobs was because I can make some capital, and then I'm just going to throw it at it. I'm just going right. to throw it at my startup. Right. And what I did, I, I actually have a failed startup, um, Yum Yum Picks. Uh, and what Picks. I, Yum Yum Picks, it was, it's that dead. Like it's dead. Porn. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. Sounds like you know, porn. You know, it's just like, it actually, <laughs> Yum Yum Picks. Well, actually, there is a, there's a Tumblr porn site. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my, you know, so my web traffic was great. Um, <laughs> but like, so you go to the website like, where are the titties? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, I just, I really, I spent the money wrong. Um, I actually had a good amount of money and I didn't spend it wisely, um, or I didn't spend enough. You know what I mean? So now, like, now that I've made, uh, you know, a good amount of money, now I'm going to invest in, you know, what I call now generating. Uh, you know, revenue generating activity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if it's not leading me straight down to money, or if it's not building up my relationship that's going to lead me to it, then I'm not going to do it. Right. Like, Andre, yeah, you got something to say? Well, you asked about the plan. Yeah. Right? So, I remember my first week of FTS, which was like two years ago, I created a business plan. And the amount of times I've looked at it since then is probably like two. <laughs> I guarantee you the only those two times were just because I had to update it when I applied for like incubators and stuff like that um, but you know what I do have though is I have weekly goals I have monthly you know, goals I have yearly goals so for example my plan or goal for this year is that you know I'm gonna focus on the catering aspect of the business um, I have money in the bank for the FTS I'm gonna use that money to not necessarily invest in technology and stuff, I'm gonna invest in people. I'm gonna start bringing people on board into the company. Um, I have some people already in mind for that. And, you know, one of the things that, that you know, was impressive that I think Joel said is that, you know, anybody can be a millionaire. I can work a, you know, nine to five job, make 45K, but what do you do after that, right? And it's like, you have to have a plan. and. What's the difference between a millionaire and somebody who's not? It's not, you know, it's not the, the bank, right? It's their mindset. And I think that if you, if you know, there's different types of entrepreneurs who have a better move down. They're both successful or they both fail. Um, but my, my idea is that um, I'd rather have a plan and, or semi kind of plan and fail that way because I know exactly what I did so I don't have to ever do that again. Or if I am successful, then I oh, have you don't know what you did. Oh no, I don't. Yeah, I know what I did. But I'll have a plan though, where like you know, because my goal, like I said, I want to help and inspire people. I want to be able to get that plan. Like, this is the the method that works, you know. And for FTS, it's um, kind of like what John said. Like you know, you do have to do those baby steps. But I'm aggressive. I'm at that point in my life right now where like I'm getting an apartment in uh, July, July 8th, July 9th with my girl. Oh my god. I am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it's exciting. It's uh, it's nerve wracking. Why? Because like I gotta support myself now, I gotta go to school full time, I gotta do a startup, and I also gotta do you know part time jobs, switching up with my family deliveries and all that. But I'm excited because now my back is against the wall, I gotta claw myself out of there, right? And I gotta like, pay bills by myself, I gotta do everything mm -hmm. by myself, car payments by myself, everything. So now with this startup with FTS it's Either it's successful this year or it's gone. It's out of my mind. Right. right? And um, starting uh, June, I guess like June sixth, in, in uh, this month, I want to make five k in revenue. And July, I want to make ten k. Okay. And August, I want to make twenty k. Damn. You got what I'm saying? Like right. that's my that's mindset. And how am I going to do that? Is with people. That's hundred percent growth. Yeah. And that's why I'm growing. That's why I'm <coughs> going for that. Because, like, it's the summertime, and, like, I know I have classes, one or two classes, you know, a week, so I have no excuses, really. It's, like, either I go balls to the wall, or I failed, let's move on. So, let, let me let me ask you a question. Yeah. How old are you? 21. 21. How old are you, John? I'm 24. 24. I how old I was. All right. <laughs> shit, now, I feel old as shit. Uh, like, you're not. You're not at no, all. No, no, like, I feel like I'm so oh, tired. I'm so worn out. you work so much. Yeah, yeah, I'm so worn out. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, uh... <laughs> Where, where does that come from exactly? Now you 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 kind of got a uh, different different backgrounds in a sense. Um, you guys have different backgrounds. 
you obviously you come from a family that showed you that example. You know what I mean? Your father and your mother were entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? So I, I could see how that's that's passed on and how you're twenty one you already have that mindset. Like Joel mentioned earlier, twenty one you was doing fuckery. You know what I mean? Like I, I was up until fucking yeah. twenty mid twenties, I was spending my money on clothes and shit. You know, um, so, but you, it's a little different. What What did your mother do? Was she an entrepreneur as well? Yeah. Uh, my mom, my mom's stubborn. Uh, she, whoever she worked for, my mom's able to work for people if she knows that, okay, Sean, you got a skill that I don't got, but I need it because I need to make money. Mm-hmm. You're the one making money because you own the shop. Well, I got to own the shop, but I don't got the skill. Right? So my mom, my mom is a hairstylist. Um master hairstylist and she learned from a bunch of people but um she ended up getting like fired you know over and over again and so like she finally um opened up her first Mm -hmm. shop in 2001 Mm -hmm. that tanked because she didn't have managerial skills gotcha then 2003 she um she got a sweet deal on a lease in chinatown and she's been there since andre's the same place where uh because i have a theory and it's gonna sound crazy it's not crazy it's gonna sound kind of bigoted but I feel like people from other countries especially Chinese people don't want to assimilate within the American system they want to benefit from the American system but they don't trust it and I feel in specifically in the black community there's more people trying to get in and get ahead within corporate America, within different industries. Whereas I see, I'll see a Chinese person won't speak any English, have 18 shops and they run them. They're not employed, you know, people from Colombia, people from Mexico, they'll, they'll work for a certain time period, but then they eventually are running their own thing down the road. I, do, do you agree, disagree? Do you think that's a factor? Because I see like, there, there are Chinatowns. There are parts of towns where no one speaks English, you know, and they run that. Yeah. You know, and I just think that's, I think it's interesting. I'm not sure what the motivation is, but I just seem to notice that a lot from people from other places. With black people, we don't understand ownership. That's just it. Like that, that's, that's, that's just it. I talk about this all the time. You know what I mean? Um, and don't, don't be offended when I say this. I just think it's crazy that black people. I grew up in Southie. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy that black people go into a hair supply store and it's a Chinese person selling them hair supplies like there's something and and, and it's crazy and like there's always a black chick working there because she understands exactly and it's like you should be owning this shit like what are you what are you doing you know and I think a lot of that that goes into um it's it's the background you know what I'm saying um like I like I said I didn't understand money until now until I hit my right. 30s I'm like wow you could really get some bread out here if you you know what I mean right but it's it's um that's I just wanted to say that about about us specifically. What do you what do you well, what do you guys? I can mention something. Um, so, right, this little bit of history. Communist China happened in 1949. Okay, my mentor, it like his his uh, his family escaped. Mao Zedong. Yeah, and then my mom. My mom and her family. You guys like how I threw that in there? I know why. Yeah. He's knowledge, bro. He's kind of actually surprised. He's the, he, was, he was the leader. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, literally, uh, you, you know, like, Chinese people coming from that era, coming here, um, they, they weren't allowed to own anything. And if you were a scholar, you were thrown in jail. You know what I mean? So, a country where you can come here and you can be as smart as you want, and you actually you know get incentives to be smarter and you can actually own something that's the motivation that's what it is you come in you, you know you're coming from it's all relative you know what i'm saying you just take shit for granted when you grew up in this country what about you is it the same you feel for your parents was it so like your question was like do why is it true like hispanics or culturals like people stick with their own people it's why are they so motivated do, not not just that but and I'll say in the black community, the big thing is go to college, get a job. Yeah. Get a job, stay out of trouble, work the job, do what you're told. It's kind of like, don't make waves. Yeah. Is it the same in your household? I feel like, I, I, I'm assuming, I feel like there's more of an entrepreneurial thing where it's like, yeah, cool, get it, go to school, make sure you go to school, yeah. but 
if you own your own thing, you can run your own things. That sense of control. Yeah, like so for like the Hispanic community, it's you know it's not that for example we don't want to work at big corporations and stuff like that. Um, you know the kids that are growing up now. They have this pressure from their parents, like basically the same thing in China. Black community, it's that you have to be successful so you don't grind as hard as I did growing up. Like you're not out 18 hours a day working. Um, but you're, you're basically right, really, is that the tech community is more like either you go get your degree, you get a good job, you buy yourself, right? You do your thing. Or you better be working every single day until you own something, and then, you, and then I'll leave you alone and be your own person. Like it's, it's, you know, for this kind of community, I feel like it's very rare that you see somebody who's like, in a company as like an assistant or a secretary or something like that. Like you might see those one or two people, but you know, we're, we're taught from very little that in order to be somebody, you gotta work to be somebody. And you will be somebody, but you gotta work to be somebody. And one, another thing about that though, is that you gotta realize that when, for example, my dad came here and he opened up the Kiosco in East Boston, everybody around him was Italian and white. Yeah. They were, they were racist towards him. They had an FBI parked outside of the bar and restaurant because, you know, they thought since he was Colombian, they were ah, probably selling drugs. Selling cocaine. They were there for like 10 years, the cops. You know what ended up happening? The, the cop who was in charge at the time came into the store, like into the bar. Yeah. Became good friends with my dad. Called off the whole operation or whatever. That guy ended up marrying one of the waitresses in the place. Yeah. That's right. Colombia, right? They're okay. What I came for? I got what I came for. I got me a piece. That's what he was waiting for. like he was out there. Yeah, stakeouts with binoculars. Like, shit, what's in there? That ain't coke. Crazy thing, he never worked for the FBI. He was a pervert. Yeah, 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 But like, that just goes to show you, like, he took a chance and he became involved in my dad's community and everything. But now you fast forward twenty years. Now you have the community, like like you know, my, like like the city of Boston coming to my dad and saying, "Hey, can you sponsor this event in East Boston?" Or, "Hey, can you sponsor this patch of land that we're creating you know, with you know the flowers and stuff? Can you like dig it out and stuff?" So now my dad went from being um, ostracized in the community to now being you know a leader, a leader right. in the community. Yeah. And there's still those two you know two or three people who are like they should be out of here and all that. Like, my dad's still struggling to this day to get a 2 a.m. license in East Boston when everybody around him has a 2 a.m. license. Why? Because the neighbors yeah. are saying no. But all the neighbors are old, you know, back-in-the-day type of people. Yeah. Right? And my dad's like, how is that fair? You have Joe Schmo over here who has a 2 a.m. bar. There's been three stabbings, four police cruisers, and me, I have a perfect record for nothing. Do your families trust the quote unquote system? You know what I mean? Like, because in this country, there's a huge black white narrative. It's yeah. always been black white, yeah, yeah. right? But there's always been stuff going on behind, like, period, for everyone yeah. when they came here. Well, well, here's the thing I feel like, you know, the, the black community, you guys have a whole different story. You know, like, you guys were oppressed, still oppressed, and all that. So you guys had more to prove for yourselves, and it was always on you guys. But like when you had Hispanics come into this country, there was really like no fight from Hispanics. Hispanics were like, give me a job. I don't care. You know, call me whatever you want to call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest, right? I don't understand. I, just, I, don't, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand you anyways. Right. <laughs> 16 hours a day? I'll do it. <laughs> just give me the five pesos and I'll be out of here, right? It doesn't matter. You call me what you want to call me. And that's the way it was, it, it was right? And so it, it wasn't really like, you know, we don't care about the system. We actually love the system because we're like yo they're giving us a bread and butter uh, good. yeah right but it doesn't but that doesn't tell you know it doesn't mean like you know we're not trying to enhance or take advantage of the system in some way like my dad's always trying to be like okay like um if this is the way the government says that we can do it or this is what, you know how can we fight that back how can we you know try to change the rules or how can we do whatever like you know hispanics are grinders like they're low-key like they will try to do anything to get ahead you know that's that's the thing with us like yeah it will work for you but you better be damn sure that I don't go out and start the same business as you because exactly. I basically did all the work for you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know about John, how that is for you. Uh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Like, uh, that's why there's so many Chinese restaurants. Literally, you'll work for one, you'll learn everything, 
you quit, you find a few buddies, right? You find a, a few people, right, that hate the same boss and they'll start the same restaurant right next to them. Yeah, I feel like low-key, Chinese people hate everyone. Like, if you go in, <laughs> you spend money, and they're fine with it, they'll, they'll sell you. But I feel like Chinese people, like, that's kind of why I like them. I feel like you guys equally hate everyone who's not Chinese the same. Yeah, like, you know I mean? like, you're not, like, you're just like, you get your smile, you give us the tea, and you're like, get the fuck out. Like, fuck out, it's feel like that. <laughs> no matter who it is, yeah, no, the they, don't, awful. they don't like any yeah, of us, dude. Service is awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's why I kind of respect it, because they're here from them. Like, there were Chinese food places. I had Swiss interns who were like, there were Chinese food places in Switzerland. They don't speak no French. They don't speak nothing. They, there's broken English everywhere. Yeah. And they, they get the money, and they get out. And I kind of respect it. They don't do anything, but and they get it done, which is crazy. Like there are a lot of business owners who don't speak the uh, the native language. They don't have to. The food's good. I'm gonna keep going. Back. You want this? All right. You can't make it, but I can. Shut the fuck up. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not like the the minorities, you know, other than the black community is mostly quiet. If you think about it, you never hear about Hispanics or yeah. you know whatever. And like I said, it's just a different like history between the, the minorities with the people who were here originally. So, like, I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think there's is, is a system against you, uh, like, entrepreneurially, like, something that's impeding you from being that successful person or that, that next big actor? Like, you know, like, yeah, there's famous, you know, black actors, famous black um, entrepreneurs, but you right now grinding <coughs> is it hard. I'll let, I'll let you go first, John. Um, <clears throat> it is hard because with like acting and, and, and entertainment, um, well, I'll just speak with comedy and acting. You have to be, it seems like America only accepts one type of black person. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's the, the clean cut safe. I call it the safe black guy. That's the person that, Wayne Brady is safe. <laughs> yeah. He got a big step and fetch coon grin and he's safe. Like he's a, and that's the thing that's, that's tough. Um, so like for every, me, so like every guy in a Tyler Perry movie, like have you noticed that? Like they're all like the same actors. Yeah, well he uses he kind of uses. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, he he uh he uses the same guys, but that's that's dope to me because that shit's black owned. That's true. Like he got his own studio. Yeah. The guy's gonna be a billionaire. I was yeah. trying to tell my boy, I'm like, he's already halfway there. He's gonna yeah. be a billionaire. But, but yeah, I mean, um. It, it, it's tough because, like, Hollywood's selling to, they're not selling to minorities, they're selling to the majority, which is white people, so it's, you know what I mean? So can I ask you this, like, have you heard, like, the controversy about, like, the, the movie Gods of Egypt? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. only white actors and all that. So I've done my own research, and it's, like, you know, in Africa, I'm not in Africa, in Egypt, it was mostly, like, you know, dark-skinned people. Yeah, right. So I was like, you know, like, this kind of makes sense. Like, sometimes I'm watching a movie, and I'm like... Like in the comics books, in the comic book, that was an Asian. You can't go to China to get a kung fu teacher and the person's freaking white. <laughs> like, right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's like, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's, again, it's the, the, the masses. I mean, these people are white. People with the money's white. People who's going to the theaters are white, mostly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The last samurai was Tom Cruise. How the fuck is the white guy the last samurai? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, Tom Cruise sells the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But he did put Japan on the map and I, then Samurai's after that movie. <laughs> no one cared about Samurai's that, you know, until that movie came out. Nah, that's not true. Uh, Ninja Turtles put y'all on the map. <laughs> <laughs> they put the Samurai's <laughs> on the map. Or Japan, uh, it's, you know, I, I, I agree. I feel like the majority, no matter what country you're in, the majority like things. If they like things a certain way, it's easier for them to get to be okay with it. And it could be food, it could be whatever. And I think it's the same for people, right? Like, I feel people want, like, if you were a six foot three Chinese dude who spoke perfect English and you were just out here stealing chicks and you did all the stereotypical things they expected you to do, but you could just play the game as well as everyone else, people would be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I think no one has an issue with us until it seems we're getting stuff that should come easy for someone else. Yeah. And in that respect, I agree with Sean wholeheartedly. Like, I don't feel like there's something keeping me from getting what I want. But I had a benefit when I was very young. I grew up in an all-black neighborhood. I grew up in Boston. But my mother worked really hard, and she was able to do 
give me opportunities that other kids didn't have. So I was exposed to white people at a very, very young age. Like I was listening to Green Day while I was listening to Nas, listening to Nirvana, the terms I, I mean, my friends make fun of me, uh, including Sean, like, yo, white people love you. It's like, well, I've been around like just as much as I've been around everyone else. And I've noticed that- I blended in. Even at school, like I'm safe. Like I'm very, no one, even listen to my voice right now, it's like Joel's black, he's like, He's nice black, you know what I mean? It's very easy for people to be themselves around me, uh, no matter where they're from, and to relate to me, and I can relate to them, and I've lived in different places. As far as the business itself, I only feel there are issues when, for example, doing a tech startup and you're trying to raise money, you do have to, early on, it's more about you than it is the product. And we, there were studies that they did that most VCs uh, invest in people that remind them of their kids. And at this time, most VCs were white. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, and this is how it is. And the people who've invested in me were either close to me or they could relate to me. And that's where I feel like it, it does become tough because if I walk into an office and, and not unprofessionally, if I just act like the way I am and not swearing or doing things of that nature, I think it'll be hard for people to relate to me on that aspect. So it'd be tough. Or even getting in those circles, getting into those places where I can meet the right people. <laughs> I have to know the right people. And as of right now, in most cases, a lot of those people are white, a lot of people who run those functions or a Caucasian background. And I think that's the same for any entrepreneur. If you're Asian or if you're Indian or you're Hispanic, there's not a lot of people who look like you who have a ton of power. You have to be able to relate to people or they have to just like you to get that step. But once you're there, then it becomes about business. It's just getting to that point where it's like, yo, Sean's just good. Yeah. Now it's kind of just like, oh man, you gotta get people like you. Yeah, that's the part I hate honestly, like the whole faking it until you make it part. Right. Like people will tell you, you gotta fake it to get into the circle so you can make it. Right. Okay, I'm gonna write off a few questions for you guys. Sure. Uh, all of it's open for everyone. Uh, Sean, you may have answered one of these before. Um, I just wanna hear what you guys uh, have to say. And we'll, just, and we'll keep the answers nice and sweet. Uh, what what part of your life suffers the most as far as being an entrepreneur, doing your thing and working? What part of your life, friendship, family, spouse, video games, what are you working out? The most? What suffers the most from you doing your lifestyle? Just one thing or like two, two things? One thing. One thing. You want to go to It has to be... That you give a shit about, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah. It has to be uh, relationships. Like, my my relationship with my girlfriend and my friendships with you know with people just like i haven't i haven't seen you in a long ass time no we don't see each other right and now and now now, right i'm starting to not see him either right so it's just like um it's just because i'm so busy or i'm just like i just i don't want you to see me like this i'm i'm just not gonna be me you know what about you andres uh for me really it's the most thing that gets affected is my short-term goals, right? And then, like, that deviates into some certain things, like, really quick. Like, for example, one, fitness. Before before my startup, dude, I had six-pack. I had everything going. Yeah, I saw pictures of you. You saw a gym back in high seat pictures. I like, yo, that. Things up, put them down. I look great. And I think it's funny that it's your profile picture. Yeah. Yeah, So that's one. That's a big one. And, like, that in itself has effect, you know, like, relationships and whatnot. But, like, you know, I could always get back to that. It's just that you got to get Time. Yes. Yeah. The second uh, short-term goal, like you know, goal being the, the big one, is that is the, the ability to get short-term gain, like money. Like I have the opportunity to make good amount of money every week, but I'm not because I'm going for the long-term goal, which mm-hmm. is the FTS, the acquisition, the money that's behind it. And I feel like those two things are the biggest things right now that are impeding me from being who I want to be in terms of a person you're looking <laughs> and uh, have the money now instead right. of having it later and that's what every entrepreneur deals with I yeah. like what, you, what was the question what part of your life suffers the most from you wanting to try to be that that guy in the comedy industry or you like is it a relationship is it spouses is it friends is it family health what do you see and you're like shit I could probably do this a lot better but no Fuck. Um, shit, I don't know, man. Um, that's a lot to think about. I feel um, 
right now, uh, I want to say, see, I have a child, I have a daughter, okay. um, and um, she's going to be moving out of state with her mother soon. So, like, yeah, that that that's kind of tough. So I could, I may or may not be in Los Angeles in September. So like, I'm dealing with that. I kind of lost my whole train of thought. Um, Don't worry, man. This is the first time someone asked you this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, like I'm. It's it's like a like I'm really really thinking about it Listen now. Listen closely. Hear the raw emotions. But yeah, so my um my daughter's moving with the mother to Los Angeles, and I just left my job about a month ago. Got in with an agency. Got in with another one of the biggest bookers out here, and things are moving out here. But it's like just when things started moving more, it's like I got to Now I have to Dude, relocate. On the West Coast, which is, I mean, that's all in line with what I'm doing, but I wanted more time to 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 really, really go hard at what I'm doing without the burden of a 40-plus hour a week commitment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wasn't that kind of good, though, like, on the West Coast, like, LA is, like, the, the acting yeah. spot and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it, it'll definitely be um, a good move. I just didn't want to make that full move right away. Right. I kind of, ideally, I want to be bi-coastal. You... You, you know, trying to do a tra- traditional route, or are you trying to do like Vine? No, no, no! I don't do none of that shit. That shit's gay. I said it. No, 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 no! It's not gay. It, no, nah, that's not. That's not. It, it, it's very straight. Nah, it's it's not. That's just not my lane. My lane is for me. What's gonna get it done is the acting. That's what's gonna open up everything for me. I can I can see that already. You know. Um. But. Um. Yeah, man. Um, ideally, I just want to uh, be a working actor and then start writing and creating my own project because that's where the money's at. Yeah. That creator credit. <clears throat> Same as far as my friends. I don't. I have a girlfriend now, so I spend so much time not fucking that up with the business and regular work without my friends definitely. So in that realm, flip it. Lowest possible point while doing your ventures. So after you're like, I can't do this. Your lowest point when you have to fire someone, and that's all like I can actually legally say. <laughs> that was your personal lowest point when, was, stars, when you had to get rid of somebody. Well, I had to get rid of somebody. It was my lowest point because that took up like three months of work time where I could have been some. You know, yeah. I could I could have done a lot of stuff, but you know when you when you involve lawyers, involve like yeah. what was yours, what was mine, all that stuff. It's messy, it's yeah. elongated, and it's just a pain in the ass. And at that point, I felt deep more. I was like, yo, I don't want to lose anymore because, like, you know, you were my star player. Why are you leaving? Right. Or why did I leave? <laughs> why did I whatever right. you? Right. Yeah, but yeah, that was my lowest point. Um, for the Savory Cater, I will say uh, putting too much trust in, in a vendor um, not to fuck up. And I just. You know, I shouldn't have believed everything uh, that, or I shouldn't have put so much trust in everything that um, that she said or what I was expecting, um, and so I end up losing losing a huge account, um, which costed me money. Yep. So it's just like yeah. um, I'll never be able to get back into that business. Um, it's it's like the Amazon of stuff, yeah. and they said yes, and they they like move a ton of food um, every day every single day right so i get a cut every time i give them stuff and so i fucked up um so what i learned from that lesson was if i'm not in control or if i i gotta trust that you are going to fuck up you know what i mean like i gotta be like especially like if it's with a client i gotta be on my game i was on i was like across i was on the other side of the world and i i just i was like one and done you're gonna take care of it and i'm gonna make this money but Nah, man. I should have been more. I should have been more of a jealous lover. Like, who the fuck you sleeping with? Who the fuck? Where's my money? Stuff like that. So, I thought you was gonna have a yum yum story, man. I oh, yum yum, yum yum story was more of an HR thing. It was just like, um, uh, what I learned was, I didn't execute. Gotcha. Um, just like I had everything done, um, and my team. I I had a team of nine, including myself, and they. They all bought into the dream. They were all like, yes, Yum Yum's gonna be great. And then when it came time to it, uh, my mom hurt her back. 
I can't blame everything on her. I just, I just burnt out. Um, so yeah, yeah, I let them down, and now like, I'm afraid that they like hate me, or they just don't want to talk to me anymore. Mm -hmm. But I'm still friendly with them, you know. But it's just like, they don't re they don't ever reach out to me. So I'm like, shit, I failed them, you know, as a leader. So. Well, there's a guy, one a guy I worked for before who started a business and lost, he lost it, and social media network just at the wall at the wrong time it was just one and lost 12 to 15 million dollars of investors money and he got back out there he's good now so like i think about that all the time we're, we're going we don't want to we're gonna fuck up oh, yeah. you know what i mean and it's just that knowing that that's part of it is yeah not 12 12, 12 12 and a half million not that much <laughs> not, not that much but if you think about the losses some of these people that have these big companies it's 12 15 million dollars man you run facebook you're gonna lose 12 million in a day you know what i mean like you could an hour, the man. way yeah <laughs> the way that money flows is you gotta realize that it could happen and i think once you do that it's cool so where where can we find you all okay some websites some twitter some events you got uh find food truck stars at foodtruckstars.com or on twitter facebook instagram linkedin Message me personally, whatever it is, I'm always along there. You'll have all the information on the website. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Savory Cater, you can find me at uh, thesavorycater.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, yeah. What about you, Sean? SeanBedgood.com. And uh, from there, you find me on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Cool. And as of right now, MoonlightersClub.com. Feel free to drop us a line. Uh, find us on Facebook. I think we're up to a whopping 40 likes. Oh, wow. Looking for 50. <laughs> so feel free to send us a message, drop your instant, telling your story. Please reach out to us. Uh, Leave comments. Exactly. Post uh, questions. Ask questions. Feel free to reach out to our, our entrepreneurs and support them. Um, if you're interested, <coughs> also www.fittusfittus.com, mobile application coming soon. Feel free to drop a line and check to see what that's all about. Um, I want to thank you guys. This is an enlightening conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, thank, thank you for your time. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you as well. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. Wish you guys uh, nothing but success in the future and let's keep moonlighting.